Welcome to the next episode of the Noid Knowledge Podcast. I'm Meg LaRue, your podcast co-host and group editorial director of Cannabis Science and Technology and Cannabis Patient Care Magazines. And I'm Evan Friedman, Vice President of Scientific Cell Company and your other host here at the Noid Knowledge Podcast. This month, we are excited to be joined by Russ Pfeiffer and Kyle Boyer. Russ Pfeiffer is Executive Director of the National Registry of Certified Chemists and also has a strong background in chemical health and safety. As a former chair of both the ACS Division of Chemical Health and Safety and the ACS Committee on Chemical Safety, he has been actively involved in establishing safety policies in numerous industries, including the cannabis field. He has been instrumental in the development of the Cannabis Chemist Professional Certification offered through the NRCC. He serves as a senior advisor to the CAN subdivision of the American Chemical Society. Meg, how about you introduce Kyle? Sure, I'd be happy to. Kyle Boyer is a cannabis scientist with a background in neuroscience, microbiology, and analytical chemistry that has been working in the industry for 10 years. He received his bachelor's degree in neuroscience from the University of California at Santa Cruz in 2012 and has worked extensively in cannabis testing with organizations like UC San Diego, Medicinal Genomics, Tag Leaf, and SC Laboratories. Kyle currently operates his own consulting firm, KB Consultations, and serves as a board member of the National Registry for Certified Chemists, as well as vice chair for the American Chemical Society's Cannabis Chemistry Subdivision. Today, we'll be discussing the knowledge, background, and skills needed for laboratory directors and other analytical scientists entering the cannabis space, as well as the exciting new board certification of cannabis chemists that was developed by Russ Kyle and a team of expert contributors. Let's jump right in and expand our NOID knowledge. Thank you both for joining us today. Um, So we'd like to start our episodes with some background and context for the listeners. Can you each share your origin stories and what led you to working together to create this certification? Sure. I guess I'll go first here. Um, So uh, thanks for the introduction. Um, I guess a little bit about my background. So I started in cannabis testing shortly after getting my degree in neuroscience from UC Santa Cruz. Uh, And I started at SC Labs, which is one of the first cannabis testing labs in the country. So it's been quite a bit of a road, obviously, as we've seen from those early days to what we have now in terms of testing. But I've kind of seen it from the ground floor sort of evolve over the years. And as you mentioned in my bio, uh, I've worked with quite a few different companies doing a lot of different angles of cannabis testing, microbial testing with medicinal genomics, tag leaf, I was working on the limbs side. And then I even got a little bit of taste of regulation and how that works uh, at the state level when I was at UC San Diego. But overarchingly, what we see is that there's not a lot of consistency in cannabis testing. There's um, a lot of lack of standardization, and there's kind of a burgeoning need for qualified people. So uh, that's kind of how the idea of the test came about as well. How do you find qualified people? How do you certify people? And um, Russ has been working with CAN now for a number of years, and he served as one of our senior advisors. And he actually brought this idea to the table, and we've just been working together to refine this over the years. And uh, yeah, we're ready to to launch very soon here, so we're very excited for it. Well, yeah, as Kyle as Kyle said, I we met through the American Chemical Society. I'm a longtime member of the Division of Chemical Health and Safety, and when the cannabis group really decided they wanted to get involved with ACS, they started looking for a home. And uh, because of, I guess, probably politics to a certain degree, some of the other divisions that maybe might have been more in line with cannabis chemistry, 
declined to accept that. Well, the Division of Chemical Health and Safety has a, a long history of nurturing smaller groups and pointing them towards divisional status. So I was one of the first people to, let's just say, champion the concept of the cannabis subdivision. And I've obviously been working with, with Kyle and Julia uh, to, to move us towards divisional status. And back in you know 2017, I an idea just kind of popped into my head. I do have a medical card in Pennsylvania, which is the only way you can get cannabis in Pennsylvania. Uh, so you know it, it seemed like a natural to me, given my position as the executive director of the National Registry, to explore other ideas. We have you know, seven other programs right now, and this seemed like something to work towards. It's it's been a long haul. It's not easy. Uh, the the idea that there's any standardization in the cannabis industry is fraught with failure. This it it just hasn't happened yet, and, and that was part of part of the reasoning. But you know, beyond that, I think we really want to uh, work towards the cannabis chemistry industry uh, for acceptance, and I think that's been the overall reaching goal: is let's get cannabis chemists accepted into the greater chemistry enterprise. Oh, I, I mean, I think that's a, a great spot to, to approach it from. And uh, with such a diverse array of chemistry in cannabis and uh, uh, the unbelievably large amount of uses the, the plant itself has through, through, any variety of, of mechanical or chemical transformations. Um, it, it, division status, it, it has to, has to be coming sooner or later because the, the, the world is moving on anyway. <laughs> so why, why not get everybody, uh, ready for it? So, um, who, who should be getting this certification? Um, and like, how is it different than than proficiency testing? Sure. So, uh, who should be getting this? Uh, who should be who should be taking the exam? I think anyone who is looking to be a laboratory director of any cannabis testing laboratory or a laboratory manager. I mean, really, this it specifically this program is geared. Well, NRCC is geared towards uh, lab directors of high complexity testing laboratories, which is. Um, you know, which I think cannabis technically would fall under. There's a lot of different things that go on in cannabis testing. It's not just uh, dilute and shoot, and it's not just one piece of instrumentation. It's multiple, right? Um, so I think um, the people who are primarily going to be interested in this are, again, laboratory operators and directors, um, and then also cannabis extraction experts as well. Um, a lot of the test does focus on different elements of extraction and um, and in general how to get uh really the what you're what you're looking for in terms of an extract so um those are our primary targets but um i would say russ if you want to fill in any others that you think might might fit the bill for this uh well you know i would take it down even below the lab director level to the lab supervisor and even to the bench chemist i'm sure that the cannabis industry as a whole is struggling to get qualified people and so that was one of the concept here was let's develop some standardization in terms of qualifications, basically education and experience background 
uh, and also, you know, the analytical and extraction aspects of cannabis. So, you know, that was one of the things we struggled with early was, you know, what kind of a balance do we need? Because it is such a wide field. So I think what you'll find, anyone who taken, who's taken the exam will find that it is, we cover it pretty widely. You know, it's a lot of questions, but the passing score is only 60% out of 150. So uh, there's, there's bound to be questions that, uh, that you, you know, the cannabis chemist might not be familiar with, but there should be enough uh, considering we also have a, a heavy emphasis on quality control, sample handling, uh, various other specs of normal laboratory operations that we should be able to, you know, maybe justify that these people are qualified to work in a chemical cannabis lab. We're also obviously hoping eventually that states recognize the importance of having qualified people make these kind of decisions in terms of how to analyze, how to extract, how to do all that safely, and how to protect the public. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a, a large focus of the exam as well. So I understand you guys started developing this exam about five years ago in 2017. Can you guys walk us through the process there and how much input did you gather from other scientists? When did you feel confident that you had enough questions to make the test rigorous enough to potentially become an industry standard? Um, so I, w I wouldn't say that, you know, with confidence that we know that this is going to be a perfect industry standard out the gate. Um, I think just like in cannabis testing, right, you take your the best representative sample. So um, the best representation of your of what you have. So we in our case, we have the executive committee of CAN, which is actually comprised of a lot of really bright scientists and people who are working currently in the cannabis field, testing, education. Um, so is it going to be perfect the first go? Probably not. There's going to be iterations. There will be uh, new questions probably that get developed, or there will be questions that will be worked on and refined further so that we can best test the knowledge of the applicants. But um, but I think uh, as of now, we do have a really good representation of a lot of different people working in various different states and different areas of cannabis science and testing. And so I think that gives us a, a big leg up against other people. We have uh, lot of different groups from a lot of different states. There's nothing that is state specific. We, we made that pretty certain um, so that, you know, if you're working in say Oklahoma versus Hawaii versus California, there's not going to be any type of uh, misconstrued questions or things where there could be multiple correct answers. Um, so, sorry, one sec. <laughs> uh, so like nothing about limits the, themselves or, or, yeah, we're not putting in any state-specific action levels or anything like that. Um, this is really testing your general knowledge of cannabis chemistry and how it applies to analytics and general things, principles of analytical chemistry. This is not, um, okay, what is the action level for microbutanil in Missouri? <laughs> um, we, we don't get that specific and we don't go state-specific in any way. But I think yeah. our focus really is on best practices. And I think that we have enough uh, experts in the field to have a clear understanding of what those best practices will be. So that's that's really the approach that we're taking. And as Kyle said, this you know this is well this is one of many exams that we have. All of them go through a rigorous review, uh, if not every year, at least every three years. That's pretty pretty much been our standard. To, is that we want to look at a psychometric examination of you know, how many questions are people, is everybody getting right? How many are they all getting wrong? And try to 
fine tune the exam as much as possible to provide for the best balance of questions from different areas and also you know, make sure that not everybody's passing and not everybody's failing. I imagine that the the metrics, the analytics on people's performance and, and the questions is probably far more interesting than the exam itself um, the, uh, as, as exam builders, right? It's always interesting to see who, who does well on certain areas versus others, and that informs us for sure how to design the test better. So um, in, in designing the tests, what, what, what sort of groups or people from, from different groups contributed? Uh, obviously, you, you have NRCC and, and the CAN subdivision. Um, were there people from AOAC or other, other groups? Uh... Well, so I think there's a lot of overlap. I mean, the cannabis testing field and in general, cannabis science is a very small niche area with not a lot of people in it, but a lot of these same people are doing a lot of different things all over the place. So uh, the best example I could give, you mentioned AOAC. Well, Julia is also uh, chair of the working group for microbial contaminants at AOAC. So there's definitely some crossover with AOAC there. Um, and like I said, I think we took a best shot at getting the best representation of different people who are working in the field. So some different folks who have worked in various areas of cannabis testing, and right now, at least, Brandon's working in education. He's at, um, I believe, uh, Northern Michigan University. Um, so he teaches cannabis chemistry at that school. So that's the education side. We've got Amber Wise. Uh, she also is a, a can in the cannabis testing field. She's a lab director at Medicine Creek Analytics up in Washington. Um, as I mentioned, Julia with AOAC, and she also works at the Colorado Department of Public Health. So we also get the state and regulatory side there as well. Um, and Mike Coffin is also another big contributor. He's uh, worked in extraction for a number of years in California. So we had that angle covered. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of different aspects of this exam that are kind of strewn, well, contributed from people who are just kind of touching all different areas of the cannabis testing and extraction field. The first couple of years we were just the first couple of years we were just really just trying to establish who needed to be involved and what kind kind of people we wanted to to have involved in in the in the overall program. Uh, beginning really at uh, the Cannabis Science East Conference in Baltimore in 2019, we started developing a mailing list and developing a, a list of people we thought would be considered experts. So that was really the the nexus is when we started really soliciting questions I, and it was it it's like pulling teeth because you know it's not fun to it, it's really not fun to develop an exam uh particularly a multiple choice exam where you need to have uh you know one correct answer and three believable incorrect answers so from that perspective uh it, it is a challenge and and we will be continuing to tweak here and there uh, and in fact, I, Kyle just sent me today uh, some suggested changes because so we are still uh, in the you know final stages of, uh, of we have an exam up on the up on the board and we could be offering it today, but we still want to make sure that it's as good as we can get. So something that comes up a lot on our podcast and you know I'm sure across the industry in general is the the lack of uniform standards. So what is it like to create a professional certification exam for a chemistry category that lacks anything resembling homogeneity in terms of regulatory standards? It's challenging, right? So um, 
as mentioned previously, we've gotten a number of questions from people um, asking about, okay, well, I've worked in different states and if I have no standardized methods to kind of uh, draw upon to study from, how am I going to actually, you know, how am I going to do well in this exam? And what are these questions geared towards? Again, really, these questions are geared towards general cannabis chemistry knowledge, general testing knowledge, general best practices. If we don't have any standardized methods, we can't really quiz you on standardized methods. There are um, certain groups like USP and things like that that have recommendations. Um, so one of the materials I like to recommend who, people who want to study uh, for the exam is to look into the USP's uh, recommendations for medical cannabis inflorescences. Uh, that is one good study material. But I mean, it's a great again, document. It is a great document. It really spells out uh, a lot of the different quality attributes that people look for in cannabis and some of the different methods that they would recommend people use to test for these different quality attributes. But again, these are recommendations. This is not a standard. This is uh, nothing that's been established in, in the mainstream. So um, again, we made it so that there are general questions about this type of testing and how it's done and different approaches and the best practices, but we don't go into any specific standards because there are very few, if any, that exist yet. Okay. So like along those lines, yeah, if, if we've got listeners that are, are looking to take this exam, can you share some tips on, on areas, more areas that, that, uh, p potential, uh, participants might want to focus on? Really just know everything about generalized testing procedures. And obviously we're going to throw in some hypotheticals. So think deeply about, okay, what kind of sample types do I see? Um, what are the general best practices that I do when I deal with these different matrices? Um, really there's not, a, we're still working on study prep materials. The USP document is just one of those that I think kind of highlights everything and on a very high level and general best practices, but there's still a lot to go. And again, there isn't a lot of great education out there. So that's something that we really got to develop as well as good education around how to study for the exam. So that is study materials. And that's something that we're diligently working on in the background here so that people can get a fair shake at the exam and uh, not just go at it blind. <laughs> yeah, I pulled a few questions out of uh, cannabis science and technology. So, you know, <laughs> Your, your, oh, thank you. <laughs> your, your monthly uh, publication could be a help for sure. Oh, nice. Um, so well, actually, one of my next questions is, will there be any study materials developed? So you kind of touched on that already. Is there anything you want to add? Um, actually, I don't really have the time to add. Russ, you want to? Well, uh, the Division of Chemical and Safety regularly puts on professional workshops and uh, Several members of the cannabis subdivision have in the past done workshops on both extraction and analysis. So we would like to sort of reinstitute that program. Now, granted, the audience is different. So we need to expand our audience a little bit uh, more thoroughly into the cannabis industry. But by the same token, all of our presentations are online now. So it's relatively easy for anyone to attend and we can promote it through different sources besides just the American Chemical Society. Uh, you know, we'll also, will be developing uh, and publishing on our website, a list of resources, suggested resources. So uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're still getting there. You know, it's still, yes, we announced this program a couple of months ago. Uh, we have some applications in house. We have a couple people certified uh, because they were grandfathered in from having developed the exam. But we are still working on, you know, expanding it. 
I got a call yesterday uh, from someone who is already certified by NRCC as a clinical chemist who has said, she, oh, I also work in the cannabis field. Uh, so I might be interested in that kind of certification. She wanted to know more detail. So, so it, you know, it's still a, a work in progress. I think by, you know, as we continue to go to these uh, uh, trade shows in the cannabis industry, we're going to meet more people. We're going to get more ideas of what our market is and find new ways to promote it and also provide additional resources. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, try and link that all up in the show notes, uh, give, give people some direction there. Um, so, so I, you, you touched on this, like I, I'm, I've decided I, I think this is for me. What, what, what is the process now? Uh, how, how do I take it? What, what happens if I pass or fail? Like, well, give me give me the nuts and bolts, please. Sure, be glad to do that. Well, first thing you need to do is go to the NRCC6.org website. Do not go to NRCC.org. That's the National Republican Congressional Committee. They cannot help you. NRCC6.org. Look at the certifications. You can download the application uh, and the reference forms because uh, you need three professional references that can attest to your experience in the field. Um, and transcripts to show a sufficient number of chemistry credits, because after all, we are certifying chemists. Now, that said, we have a lot of biologists, a lot of microbiologists, a lot of biochem experts uh, in our various fields, and we expect that a lot of the experience that we see uh, and the education that we see is going to be in other fields besides pure chemistry. Uh, so once you have your transcripts, your reference, and your application in, it will go to a board member to approve, to say that, yes, they do indeed meet the experience and education requirements, and it will be approved for the exam. We're just looking for, at this point, one year of experience working in a cannabis lab. So obviously we hope that we're gonna have people that with more experience than that, uh, and we expect that they would probably do better. The longer, more experience you have, and the wider experience that you have, probably bode well for doing well on the exam. So that's the process. Once you're certified, we send you a certificate. We list you in our database, uh, and then you're eligible for renewal of that uh, of that certification on either a one-year or three-year basis. And what happens if I fail? You're allowed up to three tries. So Evan, don't fail the first time because you do have to pay <laughs> you do have to pay the exam fee each time you take it. So uh, that that will convince you uh, that you want to do well the first time. Yeah, hit, hit, hit them where it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know you, you mentioned that you guys launched the certification um, a few months back. Can you share how it's been received so far in the cannabis industry? Uh, so I worked the booth at um, Cannabis Science Conference West with Russ, and it seemed like we had a lot of interest. A lot of different people came up to the booth and had never seen this before. They, they were kind of... Uh, they didn't really know what to think because they were like, well, I don't know what this exactly is. So we, we would explain. And it was really well received. I think a lot of people do feel like there is a need for this type of certification. And again, just to be able to find qualified people and show that they're qualified, it, it's something that the industry sort of lacks and it's sort of just take my word for it, right? Uh, you can look at someone's resume and kind of get a generalized sense, but 
Does it mean that they've done good work in the past? Do they really know what they're talking about? And then when it comes to people coming from other industries as well, cannabis is, of course, pretty niche. Uh, there's a lot to know um, in order to get the right answer and to do testing correctly. So for people who are just coming into the industry, it's a really great way uh, for employers to be able to see that, okay, yeah, this person may have come from another chemistry field or background, but they really do know cannabis well. Yeah, it's unfortunate the Cannabis Science West, we, Kyle and I both had other commitments on the second day of the exhibit. So, you know, we left some literature behind, but that's not all, that's not the same as speaking with someone and who really can give you some, some good answers. So uh, future shows, including uh, the East show in Baltimore in September, I think will be a, a very important for us to uh, expand more to the East Coast because the, the newer programs are all on the East Coast. The more established programs on the West Coast and in the in the West uh, already have, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're a little bit more mature in terms of the industry. But we have an opportunity in the East to help some of these states establish good standards right up front. So I, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a, a multi-effort uh, in, in terms of, you know, because it is state by state. There's no doubt about in terms of being able to have a cannabis lab and and do productive work for either recreational or medical purposes, uh, it needs to be in a state that has some sort of a program. So uh, with all of the new programs in the East, we think it's real important to to really set some good baselines and establish some standards on on an early basis, in some cases before the states even have finalized their program. So in that case, like for like for example, I'm in New Jersey, so we've had a medical program, but now it's changed to fully legalized. And I know there's a lot of labs that are coming online, but um, I think you said there's a you have to have a year in a cannabis lab to take the exam. So do you do you have plans to ex- like expand that in cases like that, where there's states that maybe don't have people with that level of experience, but that want to be certified? I don't think. To be honest, I don't think if you have never worked in a cannabis lab, I don't think you're ready to take this exam. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's the simplest way to say it. Um, now, granted, the labs are hiring people with a chemistry degree or a biochemistry degree, um, and, and there's plenty of opportunity. It's not like there's not opportunity because the more states have programs, the more labs there have to be, the more standards there are, the more labs there have to be. Um, I know some of the, the labs out west are really, really busy, uh, and you know we're we're assuming that that same kind of dynamic that we're going to see in the east too. So New Jersey, Pennsylvania, yeah, we're we're in this. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Um, you know, we want to see we want to see good high level standards. One of the things I've heard is that the states in the east generally are being stricter in terms of limits on contaminants and things like that and the qualifications of the people. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out because that, that that's, would be, uh, you know, a change from um, the wildcat type uh, expansion that we've seen in the West. So uh, hopefully what's going on in the East is a little more carefully aligned and a little more, a little better thought out. Uh, and some of the standards are uh, put into place early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, logical standards, ideally, that not not you know limits on on microbials that produce flour that's too dry to retain any terpenes or 
you know, stuff like that. There, there, there's reason to be had as well. I, I hope, I hope. <laughs> Evan, I'm, I'm expecting to see an application from you now, just so you I, know. You know, I, 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 I have a mild chemistry background, uh, but uh, I, I don't even have a chemistry degree per se. Uh, I just have spent a long time very interested in, in this plant and speaking to, these, to as many uh, chemists as, as I can. Um, you know, I, it's, there, there's so much here and uh, we'll see. <laughs> and Evan, just so you know, I actually don't have a chemistry degree either. I was, I think, a class away from a minor, uh, but my degree is actually in neuroscience. So doesn't mean just because you don't have a chemistry degree doesn't mean that you can't take the exam and also do well. That's interesting. Don't feel bad. My, Evan, my degree is in history, okay? But I've been, working <laughs> in the, I've been working in the chemistry industry for over 40 years. So it's not like there's not a place for, for everyone. Awesome. I, I mean, I, 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 I should do it. It's uh, j just one more thing uh, to to do in the cannabis space, right? <laughs> every everybody's wearing every hat. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a thing in cannabis for sure. For for sure, for sure. Um, oh, so. I, I have this this question which I'm curious about and maybe you guys don't have the answer. You have any idea how many practicing cannabis chemists are out there in this country? See, that's a tricky question. And I also think it's a moving target, right? Yeah. Because as more states start to legalize, of course you're gonna get more labs, you're gonna get more extractors, you're gonna get more people getting involved in the cannabis chemistry enterprise on a legal level. Keep in mind that I say the legal level, how many practicing cannabis chemists are there that are doing this in the dark currently? Oh, in California, that's a growing number, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I guess technically it's above board, but there's all sorts of, sorts of things happening in the hemp space as well, but they're making synthetic cannabinoids from CBD. So, I mean, also, that's kind of an interesting gray area. Semi-synthetic? Semi-legal, right? Um, yeah, right. But, you know, yeah, CBD is legal, but once you convert it, I think that that's still kind of an ongoing debate. The DEA says... Yes and no. Yeah, you know, yeah right. You look at it. Uh, there's a lot of different conflicting answers in that area, and um, so yeah. Again, the number I think continues to grow, and it's constantly a moving target as we see new trends like synthetic cannabinoids coming up. Yeah, I, I keep, mean, keep in mind, Evan, that, that there's also a number of colleges, and universities that are now establishing programs in yeah. cannabis chemistry, and have a lot of graduates. Uh, and in fact, NRCC typically uh, for Sort our certification programs that are specialized, we typically waive the experience requirement as long as there are sufficient uh, appropriate courses being offered and passed uh, at the undergraduate level. So, uh, yeah, there's it, it has to be thousands. It, it has to be thousands. Yeah, I that that sounds right. I mean, you you're absolutely right. You've got schools like Northern Michigan and Cornell. Uh, pumping them out at at undergraduate and graduate degree levels uh there's there and there's other schools too i i'm i'm sure there's the like it's Carrier, definitely a growing uh, number in maryland there's a lot of them yeah they're coming up all over yeah uh, and and 
there's there's a whole bunch of states that added medical programs too that that were not in, so much in focus because we're talking about these eastern states that are uh you know limping into their adult use program <laughs> like like uh new jersey and new york new york what a mess here <laughs> It's a mess anywhere on the east. Oh, well, maybe not Massachusetts. I feel like they kind of have their act together a little bit. I feel uh, like in well, general, all these early markets, right? Nobody has yeah. it together, and they're all trying to emulate what other people have done, some of them more successful than others. I mean, I'd like to give a really, really funny example of this um, where people just emulate and copy pasta and actually don't do anything to look into things further. I'm not going to name the state because this is probably really embarrassing for that state, but like, for example, on their microbial regulations, how I know this was just a copy pasta, they missed the exponent on total yeast and mold. So 10 to the 4 CFUs per gram is the normal threshold. I know we're talking chemistry, but this is just a good example of people not having it together. For total yeast and mold, you should have 10 to the 4 as your action level or the limit um, for what's allowable in cannabis flower. That's according to the American Herbal Pharmacopeia or AHP. Now, since they just copy pasted this, apparently their copy pasta missed an exponent. So essentially the way the law was written initially in this particular state, you could only have 104 CFUs per gram on cannabis flower. That's literally going to be no cannabis products, no cannabis flowers on the shelf, because this is a natural product, unless you're going through gamma radiation. So like things like this, where people overlook a lot of different things and they don't actually look, and some of these people aren't scientists that are making law, right? So I think it's really important that we have people who are very scientifically literate and go over things with a fine tooth comb before they just put these things out there. So yeah, I think every state has its own challenges and hurdles as they get on board with some sort of program. At the very least, they need a good editor. <laughs> At the very least, a good editor. I agree. Someone who's <laughs> literate. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, so you guys have, have touched on this throughout our whole conversation, but how do you foresee the exam or the certification kind of evolving over time? Like, let's say it's federally legalized. Do you think you need to like revamp the whole thing or is it just, would you just kind of keep going every year and update things as it comes uh, oh, yeah. along? I mean, like if there are some reference methods coming into play or things that we can draw upon to quiz people on something that is actually nationally standardized, then yeah, absolutely. We're going to be making those edits to incorporate that. But as it stands now, we have nothing that's nationally recognized. Um, of course, cannabis is still federally illegal. So how are you going to make a national standard for it? Um, but as those methods start to become available, as states begin to standardize amongst each other, we will definitely be making edits and developing new questions surrounding those developments in cannabis science. And we have plenty of precedents within the NRCC uh, as we're one of the nine professional boards, national professional boards that's approved under the CLIA, under the Health and Human Services Department to uh, certify lab directors, which is a tandem amount. It's, it's required if you wanna take third-party Medicare payments, for example. So if in the future uh, it's approved at the federal level for medical use and there's any sort of uh, you know, prescription for it, uh, then labs that are, are involved in uh, cannabis uh, quality testing are probably going to have to be cert or they're probably going to have to have a board certified lab director. Uh, so, you know, in fact, one state, and I won't mention it, had already proposed in their medical regulations to require uh, that the lab director be nationally board certified. So 
while there was, was no program for cannabis chemistry, there are programs for clinical chemistry and toxicological chemist, chemistry, which are obviously very closely related. So we already have, you know, and that was part of our reasoning too, was we want to be the first. You know, we realize that there are other standards out there. There's other organizations that are looking to accredit laboratories, but no one, we're the first to really look at the quality of the people working in those labs. So that's our focus. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Uh, you you look at, at doctors, they all take board exams, right? Uh, uh, the working in the quality labs is a, you're, you're handling the medicine, right? You, you are the person determining if it's safe or not. So board certification kind of seems justified there. Hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, uh, let's look into our crystal balls and like, where do you guys hope to see this industry in the next five to 10 years? Uh, you know, the, the testing and, and cannabis overall. Uh, I'd really like to, see, well, number one, I think we all want to see federal legalization. That's first and foremost. Um, I think that there's a lot that uh, our country could benefit from just by nationally legalizing cannabis freeing a lot of uh, prisoners from the drug war, things like that. Um, but also I want to see consensus. That's the thing. I think that there, like, like we've said throughout this podcast, there's a lot of lack of standardization. I think that currently there's not even a consensus as far as what we should be testing for and the limits for those things. Uh, every state is doing something a little different. So what I'd really like to see is more of a consensus as far as what we should be testing for and some actual scientific reasoning as, as to why we should be testing for those things at the certain levels that they are. Um, uh, one example I'd like to give that I think um, is kind of telling as far as the scientific basis for some of these things. Um, so let's talk about pesticides in cannabis. So Pesticides that are commonly used in other industries. I gave the mycobutanol example earlier. I'm going to give another mycobutanol example because it's the perfect one for this. Uh, commonly used on grapes, right? But you, wine grapes specifically, and used uh, in wine production. It's a fungicide. But so when you ingest this, it's not a problem. We have levels that are established for what's safe in terms of mycobutanol when you're consuming them on grapes. But you don't smoke grapes. Well, I guess if you're smoking purple, I guess you, you are smoking well but you know what I, I mean. I, but I mean, like, uh, you, you, you can also wash grapes. Yeah. Right. And, right. And again, like, but I mean, like, we don't have actual established <laughs> levels for what is safe when you, you know, combust and inhale this stuff. Um, well, doesn't Mike Yoglutinol on cannabis flower? There, none of this work is, to my knowledge, has been done yet. And I think there's a, it's a good paper out um, called Into the Weeds Regulating Pesticides in Cannabis, came out in 2019. And the representative from the Department of Pesticide Regulation specifically says, we kind of faced a really difficult decision here. We had literally no inhalation toxicology data on cannabis to draw from. And when we established limits for some of the states like California. So if we don't have a scientific basis for how we're actually developing limits. I mean, we're just kind of setting arbitrary values and really it's CYA. I'd like to see some data around this. Uh, informing policy rather than, like I said, the CYA as it currently yeah. We've all seen how the fact that we really, it's very difficult to do any research at the federal level, given the prohibition, um, that, you know, it, it, the, the, the 
the idea that the federal government would be involved in establishing some of these standards and doing some of the research that Kyle's talking about uh, is, you know, that's something we can look forward to because we all, we all want to make sure we have a safe product. That's the fundamental uh, responsibility of anybody producing cannabis or cannabis products. And, and I would add, I'm, I'm not opposed to the approach that they've taken in the, in the face of a lacking of this data, but I mean, we do need to have science informing our decisions. It's much better for us to actually take a scientific approach than just a cover ourselves approach, in my opinion. Without a doubt. That being said, um, as far as microbutanol, or as we commonly know it as Eagle 20, um, I'm pretty sure uh, when you heat it up, it turns into cyanide. And that so much. that one, I kind of feel should just be banned in general. <laughs> well, I would agree with that too. But I mean, um, there are a number of these other pesticides. I, I mean, at least there's that, that don't turn into poison necessarily. Well, or we just or, don't know. I mean, or, it's or, very possible they could turn well into poison. poison. It's even more harmful. We just simply don't know. There isn't any data to draw upon. So without that, you're kind of missing a big piece of making an informed decision in my mind. Oh, for sure. Do you think that like these decision makers are looking at other countries at all when they're trying to find this information, like Canada or Israel, where it is legal? Like, is there more data there or are those pesticides banned I, more? I believe there was uh, a reference to something called Caresta. I think it's a French agency. I'm blanking, but uh, they they have drawn from, say, like tobacco and other products, some limits based on what they've done there. But Again, none of this is specific to cannabis. And as we know, the cannabis matrix is pretty complicated uh, as opposed to some of these <laughs> other things. So who knows what's, what happens, right? Um, we And again, I don't think that any country has any of this toxicological data that I'm speaking of. That's scary. Again, prohibition makes it hard to do work, as, as Russ mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those are most of our questions. Is there anything else you guys would like to add? That's all I've got. Russ, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I just, I do want to stress the fact that this program is largely for potential employers to really see that a potential employee has got some qualifications. And I think in the long run, that's the program driver uh, is, is the, the ability to identify people with certain skills uh, and have a good standardization uh, method to, to, to determine that they've got the, the right skills that, that you're looking for. So that's a lot of our focus. Now that's well said. Uh, I I think that's that's perfect. You know, ultimately, also this is all about enhancing the reputation, which you know, let's face it, is not that good of the cannabis industry and of cannabis chemists in general. I think the more that we can do to establish these high standards, the, the easier it will be to promote federal approval, state approval, and, uh, you know, get everybody where we want to be. So, you know, this is, I think this is a really important program. Uh, I'm not even, uh, it doesn't even worry me that other people might do the same thing. I, I think being first is important. Uh, and if, if, if we can guide the way uh, and, and help make improvements, then it's, then it's been worth it. Hey, if people are copying you, it means you're doing something right. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, as they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
Well, th- thank you so much for for being with us and taking the time today, Kyle Russ. We we appreciate you telling us about the certification, why and and why it's needed and uh, your work to, to move us all forwards to, to a full fledged uh, respectable industry. Thanks for having us. Really enjoyed the yeah. time. Today. Appreciate it.